Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Ron has not made it yet, so I am here. (laughs) Always ready. (laughs) It's even easier now in the new house because it's literally two steps from anything in my house. (laughs) Is that good? So I usually just. Well, it, the, um, the main computer is set up in the di- dining room slash kitchen area, so I always just flip that oh, okay. on. Okay. So, as I walked by it, I, you know, saw you, Ron wasn't here yet, so I jumped on. Oh, good. <laughs> That's why I said, always ready. You must have been in the military. <laughs> <laughs> or a Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> or the Boy Scout Girl Scouts or something. You know, punctuality is, is interesting as a as a something that you must do, huh? It is you know, something that's ingrained. You know, not, I'm sure well, Ron you know what, I'm not though? talking about Ron. Ron Ron of course has whatever he's doing there, but I'm just saying just in general. Um just being exact with the time you know, especially if you've been in the military, you're like to the second. <laughs> I try not to be, though, but it's hard. I really think, too, it a lot has to do with the generation thing. Because even when we, I was a kid, you know, we were always taught that punctuality is a sign of respect. If you were on time, mm. you were late. Right. Right. That's how you were. You wouldn't do it showing up late to a job. Yeah. No. Or to or to anything. You know. And then of course once you went in the military it was like reinforced. We have to be when, where? You have a mission. <laughs> when, where? Nah. I got a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. 
That's something. Well, that and is. I have noticed now a lot of hospitals, the time they tell you to be there is actually 10 minutes more, earlier than when your actual appointment is to make sure you show up on time. Right. You just have to fill out any paperwork. Because so many people just show up late. And it, people like me, that kind of screws up because I already show up five, ten minutes early. Right, right. What are you doing here? Oh, well, okay. Oh, well, why are you here? Since you're here, fill this out. <laughs> That's funny. There's now a Mayo Hospital system has an app for that. Huh? The Mayo Health System has an app that you can fill out all your paperwork ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to the clipboard in the old days. Do you have this? Did you ever the that? Did your family support. ever have this? Did your family ever that? It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. All the manual things. And then is it on your mother's side or your dad's side? I know. Ever? Do you want to go back like four <laughs> generations? <laughs> yeah, right. Like ever in your ancestors, ever? I know. So you was telling me earlier that uh, Toby Keith passed away. That's something else, man. That is like the changing of the guard. It really of is. Generations. Well, she, you know, he, you know, teamed up with greats from all different genres of music. He did. You know, but what he's, you know, he never served in the military. But he wished he could have. He was um, not allowed to medical flat foot or something like that. But um, he always gave back. And did so much for for veterans. I know. And first responders. And, you know, um, yeah, I grew up in, or I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was stationed in Texas. He didn't live that far from the Oklahoma. You was born border. in Tulsa? <laughs> I was born in Tulsa. Who is born in Tulsa? <laughs> wow. I guess there are people that's born in Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> so did you live there all your life? No, I lived there for a chunk, a small chunk. And then I went back as I, when I got older and I was stationed in Texas. Not in um, San Antonio, did you, Texas. did you, your family leave Tulsa? About a year. Hmm? I was about a year old. What age were you? Oh, a year about old. About a year. Okay. So you, you, didn't, you didn't go to the school system and all that? No. How did your parents get to Tulsa, if I may ask? My, my mom ran, ran away and joined the carnival. The carnival? Uh-huh. The carnival oh, carnival? The, the old, the carnival carnival. You know, you say you used to run away and join the circus. She did her version yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a, that was a, a worthy pursuit. Wow. 
Isn't that amazing? What a story. You should write a book. I'm working on it. I that keep would being be a told great that. Book. Yeah, yeah. What, a, what an amazing story. You know, the reason why we write books and we keep journals is not necessarily for us and the things that we know. It's for the generations to come where things will just fall through the cracks and it becomes hidden knowledge that just dies, you know, I mean, because nobody else would know. What are you going to do? You know, we were talking about Uh, that um, yesterday, actually, and we were discussing because it's the start of Black History Month and we're going to be doing um, a salute to the African-American culture. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so yesterday we started, me and Kurt started talking about the origin of Black History Month and how Mm -hmm. it was created Mm -hmm. by a gentleman by the name of Carter Woodson. And his story blew my mind. Mm. Right. You know, he had two years of elementary school education quit school to work to provide for help provide for his huge family graduated high school in two years after that went to the University of Chicago got a you know a couple degrees and ended up in Harvard and one of only two at the time to graduate with a doctorate at Harvard University how about that It's amazing. Some of the stories, you know, and that's why they have Black History Month because there's a lot of history that, you know, who knows? <laughs> that's kind of what I'm saying with the journal. It just gets lost in, you know, in history. And nobody knows. It, it really does. And, you know, you know, people aren't sharing their family history anymore. I know mine because well, my grandma made sure that it was ingrained in our in our minds growing up about our family coming here from Germany and being immigrants and stuff like that. But like my husband's family, Mm -hmm. he has no idea. Well, people don't, yeah, it's not, we're actually almost taught not to share because it seems like, you know, you're being boastful or whatever. And so you don't share, you know, things that have happened in your family, You, you know, good things that have happened in your family. And um, and it just kind of dies. We're almost taught not to share. But if you have something that's worth sharing, I was watching something the other day, I forget what, but it was saying that if you want your story told, you better tell it yourself. <laughs> A lot of times people are waiting for someone else to tell their story, you know, and they're going to be waiting a lifetime. Because nobody really knows, nor do they even understand, nor really care, care. And uh, and so this, oh, I was watching something on History Channel. And it was just saying how if you want your story told, you, you need to tell it yourself. <clears throat> In fact, I was listening, I was watching something, and what was the unit? I forget the 670, 70-something, you know, black tank battalion that fought in World War II and fought with Patton and was part of the whole Battle of the Bulge and Baston and all the different major wars. And this tank battalion 
was in combat for 185 days. They called them, them the, the Bastard Battalion because nobody really wanted them, but they were just that good. And they would go from one battle to the next battle to the next battle to the next battle for 185 days straight. Normally, the tank battalions were getting, you know, fight 15 days to get to get your rest. <laughs> 185 days straight, kicking butt. And um, and after the war, no recognition. No recognition. Oh, they didn't do that much. And um, and they they listed how many. You know, enemy soldiers captured, how many did I destroy? I mean, 185 days, you know, landing in Normandy <laughs> and just fighting all the way to Germany and uh, no recognition. Lost in history. I didn't even know. And I was watching the special and I was like, wow, who knew? And uh, I guess one of the historians there at the end, and I forget, a base in Louisiana, a former base in Louisiana where they started, you know, he said, hey, we need to erect something, you know, to, to at least show that they were here. This is where they got their start. Come out fighting was their slogan. And, uh, and uh, he said, we need to erect something. So he raised money to put up a monument. But who even knew who even knew the exploits, you know, of this bank, of this uh, battalion? And, uh, and so one of the things he said at the end, and that's where I heard this, he says, if you want your story told, you best tell it yourself. <laughs> you know, even, even Top Gun, you know, when the Air Force had their first Top Gun competition, you know the Tuskegee Airmen won it. You know, with the old aircraft, and uh, and you know the other folks that came in to participate were flying the modern P-51s, and these guys were flying, I think, the P-47s, and they won the first Top Gun competition that the Air Force ever put on. Talking about Top Gun, and their trophy was hidden until like. I think like the 70s, <laughs> they couldn't find the, the trophy. The trophy was hidden, and this became hidden knowledge. But they won flying a P-47, the first U.S. Air Force Top Gun competition ever. And I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, it happens. But if you want your story told, even myself, I was part of the first GPS launch back in 1989. I was on the mission controller. And who would know if I didn't tell people? And I'm waiting for someone to tell my story. (laughs) Of course, back then, we had no idea GPS would be what it is today. And uh, with the downing of Korean airliner, the Korean airliner by the Russians, so when they shut down this commercial airliner, President Reagan at the time said, hey, we need to open up this GPS signal to the world. 
because the Korean airliner had wandered into Russian airspace. And they shot it down. And so President Reagan made the, uh, made the call to give the uh, GPS signal out to the world for free. And um, that was a good decision. But when we launched the first satellite, who knew what it would be? We launched it, of course, for military application, especially in the first, the first Gulf War. And uh, so, that, <laughs> so that you guys, the Army, we thought it was a, a neat trick <laughs> to use it on their vehicles. No, it was so interesting because I was actually part of that. When, we, uh, when they, we started just giving it out to, of course, the forces, and, uh, and they were putting it on, on vehicles and in planes and handheld. Isn't that something how time just, just keeps moving? And uh, and you can't you can't plan necessarily to be part of history because you're just there. And while it's happening, you have no idea you're ma- even making history because you just happen to be, you know, at the right place at the right time. But yeah, there's so many things that have happened. And so so I guess Woodson said, hey, you know, there's a lot of accomplishments, you know, by African Americans that have been, you know, erased, suppressed, stolen even, and, uh, and others have profited. We need to at least get some time to, to remember. But, I don't, you know, a lot of it is like, oh, wait, way back when. History, all history is made every day. You know, there's things that people are doing currently every day that makes history. I know even for myself, back in 2005, when I was working a corporate job, and uh, I was nudged <laughs> to, to quit and go into the community to serve by the Lord. Quit, to, quit, to, quit this job, go into the community, and serve. And I was in the travel business, and so my big question was, well, how do I make money? You know, I got two kids coming to college, you know, got a wife that, uh, you know, got to keep her happy. Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But I finally said, okay. So in 2005, February 7th, I quit my job, and uh, I went into the community to serve. Back in 2003, I was uh, part of this program called Leadership Pikes Peak, where we identify folks within the community and we we groom and train them to get into the leadership positions within the community. So I'm a community trustee. Graduated in 2003 from this program. The graduates are the ones that get into leadership positions throughout the community. But I actually just went back to work. So in 2005, I said, let me go back into the community to serve on boards, on commissions, and so I did. In February, uh, February 7th, 2005, left my job. And uh, little did I know, I would serve in the community, serving on boards, serving on commissions. I'm a strategic planner. You know, military got so many skills uh, that the community needs today. That's why it's so nice when, when people from the military actually go into the community to serve because they have so much, you know, to give. Little did I know 
that in August of 2005, we would have Katrina hit the Gulf Coast, New Orleans, and uh, flood the city, and everybody was evacuated. We had 1,500 survivors come to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we actually sent buses down there to pick them up, you know, many of them up to bring them back, to bus them back. And the city opened up their arms to embrace these 1,500 folks the region did. And me being in the community, you know, people were able to see the different things that I was doing. So the United Way, the CEO of the United Way, you know, saw some of the work that I was doing and bringing organizations together, serving, da-da-da-da, and, uh, and asked me, would you mind being the director of this disaster recovery center that can process in, you know, these, uh, these survivors and get them jobs and food and housing and cars and get their kids in school, basically integrate them into our community. They gave me the keys to the city. <laughs> I had everybody at my disposal <laughs> to help. <laughs> and the city, the restaurants, everything, totally open. I had never seen the heart of the community in this way ever. And I had been in Colorado Springs since 85. And, uh, but the hearts of communities really is big, and they respond to disasters and, and things that really need a response. And so I opened up this disaster recovery center. We processed all these folks through the most rewarding time of my life. I always think back, had I not left my job, you know, corporate America, to go into the community, I would have missed it. So many people are in places of distraction and they they never hit those marks that are really the marks that make history and so i i was able to do that and um and so i did that from from august to january august 2005 to january 2006 and uh and then i handed it back over to the the organizations in the community but uh, leading that effort was the most rewarding time of my life. Now, did I plan to be there? <laughs> you know, to have that as an experience and as a testimony? No. And when I left, I didn't even get recognized. It just ended. <laughs> I, we, we won this free cruise. And uh, and the CEO says, hey, Rick, I know we're not paying you for this. You know, go on your cruise, and um, and we'll take it from here. Have your fun. When you come back, you don't have to come back. We'll take it from here. And uh, no recognition, no nothing, even to this day. Now, was I looking for it? No. <laughs> you know, I wasn't even looking for it. It's just, it's just something you got to do. But you know that. Even the people that are heroes from combat or from anything, they don't consider themselves heroes. They consider themselves as responding to a need at the time. 
And then after the fact, in the reflection after the fact, they realize, what did I just do? <laughs> you know, and people are seeing it. What did you, you did that? I so no, it's just responding. If there's a need, you respond to it. And, uh, and then whatever happens after that is what happens. But quite often, um, many folks are, do things that no one ever knows about. Now, do they need to know? Uh, I say that, like, your story is encouraging. Your story is encouraging, you know, to women, to men, you know, to to veterans, you know, because of, of the things that you've done and uh, and you made it through. I think the most important thing about the story is the make it through part where you can now say, hey, if I can make it through, you too can survive. You too can make it through. You too can overcome PTSD. You too can make a difference. You, can, you too can turn whatever, you know, tragedy around to a triumph in your life. So I think those stories actually do make a difference. You know, now that I'm just, even though I kind of knew, but now that I'm just talking about it, does it make a difference that, you know, people know that uh, that I launched the first GPS satellite, you know, before we knew it was going to be what it is today? Uh, I guess it does. <laughs> I guess it does. Do people need to know that processed in 1,500 survivors, you know, fleeing Katrina into our community? Man, Looking back, the work that I put in, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, as a community trustee, you know, the things that we do for our community and for you know to better the lives of people is important. That people do need to know. You know, does the person need to, you know, to be recognized for it? That's debatable. You know, but the act. I think is what's most important, and the results is what's most important, you know, as a footnote in history, you know. But if you don't tell your story, nobody will ever know. And so when you say, yep, Rick, I came from, <laughs> I was born in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> it was like, really? But how did you get to the military from there? Over to you. You know, one thing I talk about a lot, and I, you know, is your story and how your story is a sense of healing. And Country Boys talked about this a couple times, too. You know, when you can tell your story and use it as a sense of empowerment for not just other people, but for yourself. You know, you, you're going through your events in your life and the things that you've overcome, and you start to understand, I survived this. I did this. I did this. You don't always realize all the things that you do years ago that, until you start telling your story. And it helps True. you overcome the obstacles you're going through now because you've survived much worse. It's so true. It's so true. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about even, you know, travel. It's not like I was like 
I'm going to be a travel guru. (laughs) I'm going to the top of the travel world. Travel came about when I went into the community. You know, like I said, a lot of people miss the important things in life, you know, caught up in corporate America. Not to say that that's not important, but, you know, the service aspect of life. And I didn't know the community until I went into it because, you know, it's a whole separate world. I mean, it is an absolute whole separate world. And a person that is in corporate America, they don't even have a clue of that world other than volunteering at a food bank or, you know, a cleanup day in the park. (laughs) You know, most churches don't have a clue of the community they, they reside in. I was doing a study one time and was talking about the irrelevant church that's irrelevant in the community they reside because they, they build it up like a fortress. <laughs> and every Sunday, people go into the fortress and then they scurry back out to their lives. They come back into the fortress, never venturing into the real community. So when I left my job, corporate America, I go into the real community to see the needs of the community and to see the homeless situations and going to the shelters and understanding from an insider perspective, you know, what people in our community, you know, our communities are are growing through (laughs) on a day-to-day basis to survive and, uh, and we started this, you know, graduating from Leadership Pike Speak. That was one of the things, the lessons, to be a community trustee. You know, we spent a lot of time in the community looking at all the different issues to understand it from an insider's per, um, perspective. This one exercise that we had was to ride the bus. <laughs> yes, they gave us a pass to ride the city bus. Most people, believe it or not, don't even ride the city bus or have never ridden the city bus. So they gave us a pass to ride the city bus, and they gave us, and they put us in these different scenarios, uh, they gave us a sack, about a 10-pound sack to carry with us that represented a kid that you was carrying. <laughs> and you had to go to different uh, service providers, you know, that provided food and different things, and they wanted you to ride the bus to get there carry this pack like you're carrying. Some folks had like three kids, so they had three packs. And, uh, you know, and to actually ride the bus, go there. And some of them, they said, okay, you can't speak English. You only speak Spanish. I mean, it was, it really gave you an insider's look into the community. So, but when I, when I started helping these people for Katrina, I kind of knew the community. And so, but I, it gave me even deeper perspective getting them jobs getting them community services and showing them and just breaking out the community to them where they could actually see, you know, the community and see what's there for them and to help them, to help them integrate into our society, our community. And it gave me another perspective and appreciation, you know, for the situation that they were in and how can I help them. And so when I left my job, of course, my income left, but I was in the travel business. And so one of the uh, 
and I can say this, we're, you know, as a believer, the Lord said, hey, you go do what I tell you to do, I'll take care of the business. And so I wanted to see that, how that transaction could actually happen in the real world. <laughs> and so, but I go and I serve. <clears throat> I tell you, Mary, the business starts going crazy without me. All of these people start showing up and to help Brenda. I'm not even there. And uh, they start showing up and helping Brenda. Now, how does that happen? (laughs) Of course, I believe in obedience. But the business start going crazy, making $1,000 a month, going up 1000 every month. I'm not even there. I'm serving these people 6 in the morning to 6 at night. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. But the business goes crazy without me. That next year, 2006, we made over $650,000 in the travel business. I'm not even there. And I go, wow, this is how that works. And so I'm not a network marketer. I'm just a regular person, but I'm obedient, and I learn, and I understand. And I understand obedience, and I understand the fruits of your labor and obedience, you know, in the Christian realm. And one of the things I discovered, and I'm still living on the residual income today, and, of course, traveling the world, but that was the launch of all of it. And I wanted to see if it was possible for a person to just flat out serve in their purpose, serve in their purpose, and have a business tool that gives them the ability to create wealth. Now, mine is travel, but, of course, in Marketplace Ministry, we talk about all businesses, you know, to offer to the Lord to multiply. But the purpose is to free you up to do your purpose. And uh, and that was one of the major things that was proven. I'm serving in the community in purpose on purpose, and the business goes crazy to keep Brenda happy. <laughs> Gotta keep her happy, and but to give me abundant, you know, provision that I still live on today. And so when I, you know, that's my experience. So when I talk to people about the travel business, I'm talking from a perspective that, you know, a lot of times you'll hear. Work until you fall out. <laughs> you, know, you know, don't go to sleep, fall asleep. You know, do this, do this, do this, boom, 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 boom. And it's not sustainable. People can only do it for a short, a short, a short amount of time. And uh, then they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm giving this up. This is getting nowhere. But when you learn the secrets of obedience, and that actually became the marketplace ministry, to understand the secrets of purpose and walking in purpose on purpose, to understand the community, to understand being able to create wealth, you know, to make a difference in the community. And as a Christian, to create wealth, to spread the gospel. And so now you've got a higher You've got a higher calling, a higher thing that, you know, reason. You always have to have a reason behind, you know, the things that you do. 
It's a higher reason. It's not just, oh, I want to make money. I want to, you know. No, you want to make a difference. And now you realize that, and see, that's why we talk about the importance of vision. What is your vision? Because as Albert Einstein says, your imagination is a preview of life's coming attractions. And, um, and you write it down. And so now you're using, and a lot of people would say the, ooh, <laughs> you know, the airy, you know, mm stuff. But though, that's what really makes things happen, the powers that you don't even see, the power of faith that you don't even see. But when you can, when you can understand and start realizing that, you know, it's like science. You do this, you get that. You believe this, you, you receive that. You know, you, you declare and command this, and this is what happens in the, in the earthly realm, the physical realm. That's what really makes things happen. So that was really, little did I know, when I volunteered to go into the community, that was the learning experience that Rick, the way sometimes, you know, we learn things in the world, on a job, working till you die, working from some, for someone else. Ron says it really good, and he got this from Joel as well. It's like clutching tight to an empty bag. <laughs> you know, nothing's in it. <laughs> hey, Ron, you there? I am here. I am here. I am here. Good afternoon. I'm so sorry. I still I got in schedule line to come on the show and be here on time. And uh, I missed the – it was like standing on the dock watching the ship go by because I didn't make arrangements to get to the dock on time. <laughs> we got you covered, though. But we, but we got you covered, man. I see that. So I, good. It's so exciting. Um I'm doing something that I haven't been able to do for over a week. I just stood up on my left leg and I'm positioning myself so um, I can I can be on the show here. I don't know who's on board. I want to welcome everyone. I'm sorry I've been away for a little bit, but uh, we had to go get Only some new uh, structure. <laughs> <laughs> He's back, bigger, stronger. Lee May. Hey, we are. We're we're back. Bionic man. Bionic Hello. man. <laughs> oh, it's good to have you back. Well, yes. Thank you. Um, and it's an exciting week to be back, as you know. Though this week I was kicking off Valentine's week. Uh, we call it the celebration of love. And uh, Lynn and I are hosting a big annual event, a renewal of an event, revival of an event called the Celebration of Life. And 100 people are going to show up at a banquet hall to celebrate that very thing, wow. celebrate marriage and love and dreaming. And uh, wow. we're real excited about that. That and is Rick, awesome. We had a group of people that committed themselves, you know, when somebody comes up with an idea and you just give a general description of what it is, but you do that with a passion, you do that with a vision, 
and people will follow visions. Wow, that's good. And you know, thank goodness there was a guy who walked this earth over 2,000 years ago that had a vision. His father had a vision for him, him and our lives. And he's given us a path to follow. And he's given us a vision to follow and fulfill. And you know what? That's what we're doing. And I'm so proud and excited with with the folks that are helping us. Uh, We're holding it out of our church, uh, sponsoring it in Buffalo. It's called Resurrection Life Church. Captain Len Cade spoke there last Memorial Day weekend. So did uh, 40 little uh, Cub Scouts and the uh, Boy Scouts and um, little Girl Scouts all came. Mary Stanley drove 14 hours to come to Buffalo for the celebration, memorializing and dedicating and honoring those who have paid a price so that we could have the freedom to have a vision. I'm, I'm just so excited because that's continuing. It wasn't just a one-time thing. The expansion of this dream is going on, and it's spreading. It's going forward. And, you know, years ago we say a lot, used to hear the words, pay it forward. It's kind of gone. You don't hear a lot of that too much anymore. The big thing you hear today is called kindness. Be kind everywhere. The commercials, big companies, uh, commercial corporations are running kindness campaigns. They've copied Captain Len Kane, the original. They copied him in the end, Ariana, who created a kindness club for kids. And they created a vision for us to see and become enthusiastic about. And it has healing. It has great healing. And then we're part of a movement for healing in this country, Rick. And I'm so grateful because we were able to join forces and join hearts once again. Amen. You know, well, the you world know, belongs Ron. to... Hello? Go ahead, Mary. Right. Go ahead, Mary. Yes. Next, next Friday, we are doing a special show with Captain Len Kane because it's the day before International Random Act of Kindness Day, which is the Saturday after the show. That's super. Well, we'll be talking about that all week, too. That is really good. You know, again, there's some things um, I had to check out for a little bit uh, to have the surgery and stuff. And I got to tell you something. Outside of the world that we live in, it's yucky. It's yucky. And I love just having, knowing that I had this call today, and um, I just got to get myself lined up properly so I could be there right at the kickoff. So here, I'm here now. And everybody that's on board, I want to welcome everybody. Um, there are great things in store that are being planned. And you can join in the plans. We, so many times, we offer things. In my life, I was privileged to be the guy and known personally for 40 years. He was a coach. Good one. And he is, he started coaching basketball teams. He was a basketball player. Good one. All-American. And then he became a teacher. And uh, first he tried to go professional, which he was qualified to do, but he didn't get in the right circle at the time. They didn't have the three-foot, three, foot, three uh, 
a three-point shot was not involved in the you know, initial basketball league. So without that, he couldn't compete against a lot of other people. And he was kind of, he's a big guy, but was kind of not the tallest, but not the shortest. And he was very big. Anyways, he competed in a world that, that he tried to succeed in. And it turned out that him as a pro ball player wasn't going to work. So what did he do? He took his, he took his tools and the skills and the uh, emotion and the passion, and he took it to help others to get the same thing. He paid it forward. And, you know, he ran multiple state championship basketball teams in, you know, in Pennsylvania and in New York. By the way, he started in New York and then moved in and later moved to, down to Harrisburg, PA, in the South Bay area. And in all the teams that he had, now can you imagine there's what, 11 guys on a starting group of, on the bench, right, for basketball? Every year you have 11. Now, if you have one team and you're one high school, you have one team, but you also have the JV. So let's just say we got 22 players a season. And let's say for 20 seasons you had 20 tryouts. Joel never had one tryout. And someone asked me one time, I was telling the story, and he said, well, Ron, how did he get people? How did he choose who was going to be on the team? Was well, he just played favorites? Did he just take, a, you know, the, the coach's son and the other guy, you know? No. Joel gave every kid, he went to the basketball suppliers and got a bad National Basketball League basketball He to donate to the school. And every kid that wanted to on the team next year got a free basketball. And then they took a Sharpie and wrote their name on it. Now, I said, Joel didn't have tryouts. But the guarantee was this. If you wanted a basketball, you could have one free. When you go back, go back 40 years, 50 years ago, basketballs, they weren't cheap then either. Proportionately, they were probably more expensive than they are now. But the thing is that Joel would hand out these teams to the kids, these basketballs to the guys that wanted to be on the team. And then they had to bring it back in the fall. And they, you know, a lot of times they think, well, Joel, boy, he's different. He's really a screwy coach. He doesn't do it the way everybody else does it. But, you know, in the fall when school started, they had basketball get-together to check out the team for the next year. When the kids brought their ball back, he didn't have to ask who wanted to play on the team. He looked at the basketball, and if it was worn out, their name was worn out, they got a uniform. See, it wasn't there what they wanted or what they said or what they talked about. It's what they demonstrated. And Joel never tried, Joel never interviewed people, but he always interviewed people all the time. And he would share ideas with people, and if they took advantage of it, he helped them. Now, he tried to help them any way he could if they didn't do it, but he he could only work with the ones that wanted to work. They were willing to step forward, take action, be involved. And that's how Joel ran his business. Joel ran a multimillion-dollar business around the world. He didn't have tryouts. He shared the basketball. He shared the dream. 
And the people who chose, they they raised their hand. You know, like at school, you want you know you got to go go well, John. You raise your hand. You want to go to the next school. You want to go to the next class. You raise your hand. You get identified. And so Joel taught me. That's how I, I've quite frankly, maybe some have not figured it out yet. I that's how I lesson. I learned that lesson. I use it today. I'll run ideas by people. And if they call back, they inquire, they ask questions, they show up again, guess what? I share more with them. But if they don't, I'm not going to beg somebody. You can't push a rope. I remember the saying, Rick, the first day we talked, I said, you can't kiss a girl leading away from you. You can't climb a fence leading towards you. And you can't push a rope. So when we leave them alone come to life, and they will come home, you wagging their tails behind them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's absolutely true. And today we have, a, we have a group of people that pulled off right now. There's 100 people going to be at a banquet Saturday night, and they're going to enjoy themselves. They're going to have a great dinner. They're going to be dancing. There's entertainment, and there's prizes. In fact, the grand prize for one couple that's showing up is going to be a seven-day stay vacation that they could use somewhere around the world. It's worth up uh, almost, it could be, it actually could be worth up to $2,000 a couple. Wow. That's the grand prizes for coming. Now, when we started this program and the idea of the event, the church we were at, all they had never done it in 10 years. It did, the idea didn't exist. We had a group of people that we shared the idea with, and they jumped in with both feet enthusiastically. They started creating ideas. They started helping to form the program. They started helping to get gifts. All this started coming together because people decided, I want to be a part of it. Well, guess what? That's to say I handed out basketballs. And today we've got a bag place. And, you know, today what? we have a business. We have a business because I'm still handing out basketballs. I don't even I like handed basketball. Out a, I handed out a basketball. I handed yes. out a basketball, a travel basketball, to Ron and yes. Linda. Next thing I know, they're cruising and eating all you can eat cream of wheat in Europe. <laughs> You know, he took the basketball and the ball came back worn out and his name was worn and <laughs> and he had an eight hundred dollar check for cruising, going on his own cruise in Europe. So Ryan, so when I gave you that basketball travel, you just yes, took it. And next thing I know you're in you're in Europe on a Viking River cruise. But let me tell you, that's the power of vision. You can only work with people that have a vision, and visionaries rule the world. When you guys asked, when you guys said, "Okay, let's do this banquet," you guys brought a vision. They wouldn't have been able to see that vision except you brought it. That's why don't hold on to the things that you can see, thinking that everybody else can see it too, because it can't. And you're the one to bring it. You know, Mary's daughter 
brought the vision of kindness. Then Cain, and now everybody else is seeing the vision that, how old is your daughter, Mary? I don't know if she's still with us, but... Nine. She started... She started creating it when she was seven. And vision is not (laughs) age-specific. I was watching the show on geniuses and these kids that have just amazing abilities, you know, to, to for science, for music. And it's like, where do you get that from? Genius is not age-specific. It's tapping into something. And so, but, Ron, yeah, you guys was over in Europe, so you took the basketball and, uh, and uh, dribbled it away. <laughs> you didn't even like basketball. And so, but you, hey... You, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Ron, you know, I did a, a training on the Vortex on Vaughn's show. The Vortex is a free link that we have in Search 365 that we uh, advertise for fundraising. And, um, and so churches can use this link. They can give it out to their congregation. And uh, it's revenue generating because when people book on this link, they save money, and 60% of what they save comes back, in this case, to the church. Well, Ron, I did a training on that at the, on Vaughn's call, and, uh, and we had a, a lot of people attend. And it just let us know that there's a thirst for knowledge of the things that, that we have taken the basketball and dribbled out so that we now have a great understanding and, uh, and almost, I think, an obligation did now share this information. And so you should have seen them. They were like, ah, really? We have this. These are people in search. These are people in the business. They're like, the Vortex can do that? <laughs> and well, so you know, Rick, uh-huh. application. It's learning application. application. You know, Joel, mm-hmm. going back when we first started the Hope the blog radio show. Uh, when Bro Walk, he created it. He invented it, and you know he was he invented info commercials too. You talk about pioneers, but uh, he created the blog radio show, which was a radio show through the computer, so that you and I could talk like this around the world with people, schedule it, and have different theme shows and so different corporations. They, now they're podcasts. Everybody's got podcasts. Well, Isn't know, that amazing? Wow. We've been doing it for years. Wow. And, you know, when we had that tool, Joel was always encouraging people to go ahead and start their own. And it wasn't until Mary came along, she saw the vision of what the blog radio Optimize My Life radio show could do in terms of communicating with people as an outreach, as a service, as a way to communicate directly with people who didn't know that there was a way. And now it's exploding. And this coming year, I think we're going to be seeing go places we never dreamed. But it's all happening. It's all happening it's, at the zoo. It's, it's, I do believe it. <laughs> so medical tourism, being able to go to a yeah. nice location to recover. <laughs> well, uh, right? actually, 30 days, 30 days, what's today? Today is 
Today's the, the 30, sixth, I think. The fourth or the fifth? The, the sixth of eight of February. It's the sixth. Okay. Six, uh, 30 days from today, instead of uh, crawling in and out of bed here, I'm going to be walking or I'll be in a wheelchair, but I'm going to be in a wheelchair scootabout. It's the name of it. It's a little scooter. And I will be going first on the on the airline wheelchair to get out of Southwest to leave oh for Lord. Cancun. And then oh we'll be Lord. going to the Riviera Maya to the oh annual Casabel, or not Casabel, Cancun oh annual conference. International Conference for Surge 365. There I will be doing medical recovery. Because <laughs> it obviously is going to be funny and fun. Uh, and, uh, well, hey, we had to pick out the pillows that we wanted to have, Rick. The food, Can you believe the sun, what the fun, fun what, the pillow. And, Ron, this is business. You get paid for this. You know, this is a yeah. this is one you got to talk to your tax person, but this is a tax write-off. You know, because you're in the travel business, so medical tourism is one of the largest, fastest-growing segments of of travel of the travel industry. People go in getting dental here and over there, and da da da, surgery procedures, all kinds of things. In other countries, you know, where you know they're doing pretty good in other countries on these, you know, performing these different procedures, and they get Right now, they don't get paid for it. But in the business, if they were in the business, now it's business. <laughs> and they're in recovery. Really? So, Ron, yeah, go ahead. To get oh to this point gosh. where I had the surgery last week, oh, I boy. have a surgeon. I had an anesthesiologist, which I met with and talked with quite a bit before I went into surgery. I had three Amazing. eaters, a team that took care of me. I was only there 24 hours, but... They got me in and out safe. I had pre-op doctors and x-rays and all that kind of stuff. I was doing medical therapy for all the people that were waiting on me to take care of me. And what I mean by that is every single one of those people found out that Linda and I are travel agents. And that we own it. And they could, if they're looking for another career, they knew they knew if they didn't know for themselves, they knew they could help somebody else in their life. And Amazing. so we passed out cards promoting surgery. Well, not it's my Vortex 365. We passed those out everywhere we went. Well, it didn't matter what room, the emergency room, didn't matter. Uh, the operating room, the recovery room, <laughs> the, the, the guy that's uh, valet. Everybody got cards from us. We I'm going out fast. Use a card. I can't really uh, use a card. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You gave me this anesthesia, but here's a card. Well, Rick, <laughs> two of our bankers are single gals. That one of them wants to travel now. The other one is getting engaged and wants to go on a honeymoon. Wow. We created probably 50 to 100 leads for somehow leading people to careers, an opportunity in the travel business, or a way to change the career they're in now because they're glass ceiling bankers. They can't get anywhere. Wow. People ask, 
you know, I get people say to me many times, well, you get, you're about, and you get out about, you do everything, you have all these people you see. Yeah, well, what's the difference? I don't keep my mouth shut. My wife gets mad at me sometimes because I talk a lot. But you know what? But you have something to we check. Get a check. We get a check for $332 for a cruise we booked last week. She doesn't get mad at me for talking then. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's too funny. Hey, Ron, we're out of time. But, hey, man, so good oh, to have wow. you back. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, uh, for now a, a, a speedy recovery. In yes, Jesus Jesus. Name, amen. Thank you for prayer partners. Amen. We'll see everybody. See you, Mary. Bye now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.